So ladies, without any further ado, it is my great honor and my privilege and my pleasure to introduce our guest speaker. I want to tell you, I admire and respect this lady as much as anybody on the earth. If you see the beautiful ministry that they have in Jesse Duplantis' ministry, this is the brains and this is the brawn behind it all. You hear Mr. Jesse up there when he says all the things that he says? Guess who does it all? Guess who's the one that does all the work, who totally runs the whole ministry? And I want to give credit to where credit is due. This lady I admire, like I just said, and respect so greatly. And I want you to know, I love you with all my heart. Oh, love you, Carolyn. Give Carolyn a great hand clap. Thank you, Carolyn. Give her a great, great hand of applause. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Have a seat. And this place is so beautiful. I just love the way she gave me all the credit for choosing that table. Of course, you know, she is an influencer. <laughs> Months ago, she sent me an image of the uh, style of clothing and the, the that I should wear today. <laughs> and I think she gave that out to everybody because even the men are wearing these big checks. And I, I was able to go on Amazon and find this lovely skirt. For 26 bucks, so I really feel great about that. And it's an honor to be here, and all the tables were so beautiful. It was really difficult to do, and each one of you are, uh, that, who prepared the table? Y'all just stand up, everyone that actually prepared your table. I think it's 24 ladies in the room. Excellent. Praise the Lord. So beautiful. It made this day such a special day. And it's an honor for me to be here, to be with all of you, and to share the word. I hope you're ready. Sent my scriptures on ahead, so some of you may not have Bibles. You might have your phones, but they'll be putting them on the screens. And uh, it's so exciting. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, we thank you for this very special day. Lord, I thank you that you're knitting each one of us closer together, all the women's hearts that are in this room, we're being knit closer to one another as well as to you. And Lord, I trust you to help us to to see new things in your word, to be inspired, to be all that you've called us to be, to help us to see the beauty and the simplicity of the great plan that you have for the earth as well as for each one of us today. Lord, I pray a blessing upon this ministry and upon this church and all of those that are here in this room today. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to study your word together. Lord, I thank you that you're growing us up as women. Lord, that we are, we are towers of strength in the earth, that you empower us by your, by your spirit, by your Holy Spirit, to go forth and be a reflection, to bring honor to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, of course, since it's Christmas, I just want to go to Luke chapter 1. Let's go there. You know, every year, like probably most of you in here, you read the Christmas story again and again. I have an um, annual thing I do. I read through the Bible. And, of course, around December, that's where we started coming to those parts. But every time it seems like I read, God shows me something new in the Scripture. I remember years ago, I read in Luke chapter 1, and it was reading in, about the angel Gabriel's announcement to Mary and it challenged me to believe for the impossible. Because those, let's read that together in Luke chapter 1, verse 31. You know, because even the smallest details in scriptures have so much depth to it. And it says, this is the angel speaking to Mary. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. Then going down to verse 37, we're going to read 37 and 38 together. It says, For with God, nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold, the handmaiden of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. 
So these verses helped me to understand many years ago that in order to receive any promise from God's word, my attitude should always be with God, nothing is ever impossible. And it also, and also that second part should be, be it unto me according to thy word. I just love Natasha's testimony today. It reminded me of my sister. About two years ago, she received a similar diagnosis. She found a lump on her uterus. The doctor noticed there was a mass there. They went in and they checked and they discovered that she had stage two cancer because it was on two different organs. I think that's what determines uh, the stage or something like that. And I remember even when I was with her there in the hospital, her and I, her, her husband and I went into the recovery uh, after surgery and saw her to be able to be with her. And uh, she had already heard the nurses whispering. And when we got there, she she knew that he had been told. So she just nodded. She said, we got this. And that phrase just kept her going. Because no matter what diagnosis, like Natasha said, no matter what the in, what the diagnosis is or what bad report you may hear, you can change it with your faith because nothing is ever impossible with our God. But we have to get to a, po- a spot like Mary did because she got the most impossible uh, promise or assignment. And she said, be it unto me according to thy word. So God has a word for each one of us today to guide our lives by, to give us direction. But we have to agree with him. Amen. We have to agree with him. And we'll see it come to pass. Another time while I was reading the Christmas story, I went to the second chapter of Acts, excuse me, of Luke. And I realized that everything God does, including the creation of the world, begins with words. And Mary's, God's word to Mary promised in that first chapter that we just read of, in Luke was fulfilled in that second chapter. We all know the story. God wants us to know that he can be relied upon to keep his promise. You may be right in the middle of that, you know, you before you prayed and before you could see the manifestation, but you got to keep on walking, got to keep on believing, amen, because God's word always comes to pass. So we're going to look at Luke chapter 2, we're going to read quite a few verses of scripture, you can look at it on the screen. I just felt like the Lord wanted us to see that story again with fresh eyes. And verse 7 begins, it says, and she brought forth her firstborn son. And wrapped him in swaddling clothes. This was her manifestation moment. She had heard that promise that was impossible. And here it is. She's walking in that manifestation. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger. Because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was an angel with was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Verse fifteen. And it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see that this thing which is come to pass which the Lord hath made known unto us. I'm already seeing something else I need to go back and dig into for another year. Verse 16, And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they had heard, all that heard it, wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. Don't you just love that? You know, Max Licato wrote this. He says, that announcement went first to the shepherds. Had the angel gone to the theologians, they would have first consulted their commentaries. (laughs) 
Had it gone to the elite, they would have looked around to see if anyone else was watching. He says, men who don't know enough to tell God that angels don't sing to sheep and messiahs aren't found wrapped in rags and sleeping in in a feeding trough. So that was what God did. He sent it to the shepherds. Today I want to examine another powerful truth that has touched my heart over the years and impacted my life while reading this this beautiful Christmas story. It's found, again, we just read it in verse 8 of this chapter, 2 of Luke. And there were with, and there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. I want us to focus this morning on these words, keeping watch. It's really the title of my message today, keeping watch. I believe that that's what God is speaking to us today. And it's our assignment as women to keep watch. Watch over our own spirits, our own soul, our own lives, but as well as our families and the places that God has positioned us. And I love what Carolyn said today. It was so important to keep watch over our families. Make sure that they're occupied, doing the right thing, enjoying each other, enjoying life. We love to play games, too. I'm the game person in our family. Jesse's not a big game person, but I get him to do it. He comes kicking and screaming many times. But that's okay. <laughs> He'll get over it. My uh, my uh, my daughter, granddaughter, and I love to play Monopoly. And I remember playing for when she was even a little bit, little bitty, and I would help her with her money and try to teach her. But now she's gotten to a point where she likes to be the bank, and uh, and her and her mother play a lot now. And and it's funny. It's one time she was so upset because she lost. She was like Carolyn, I guess. And she just didn't like it. She says, Monopoly drives families apart. (laughs) And, you know, even that's a good example because there are things that happen in life that does just want to push us apart. But we need to come back together and work it out. Amen. So we need to get over ourselves sometimes. (laughs) And it's good life lessons because in life there are going to be things that separate, try to separate us. But we can't let it. We can't let things, misunderstandings come in and be a dividing thing, especially like we're looking at in our nation. We can't let the enemy divide us as a people. And uh, we need to just find something to agree about and, and, and trust God. And, and we're standing. Amen? Amen? So we're keeping watch. And that word watch means to keep awake, be alert, vigilant. Notice that the shepherds We're not sleeping under a bush when the angels came to announce the birth of Jesus. They were alert and watchfully caring for their sheep. They had a responsibility to guard off any wolf, bear, or lion that would come by looking for a late night snack. Right? We have an assignment to watch over things. They knew that if they would snooze, their family would lose. So as women, we have a responsibility. As keepers of the home, we have a responsibility to stay alert, right? And I'm telling you what, the Holy Ghost will show it to you if you ask him. If you're just, if you're seeking him, in fact, if you're the one, if you're praying and seeking him, he's going to reveal things to you before it gets there. And that doesn't mean you need to share it. We don't need to be a big mouth about it. Sometimes it's just for you to know so that you can know how to pray. Many times that's what that is all about. So we have to be alert. The same way we must, we must keep vigilant to guard off any attack of the enemy. We have a responsibility to stay alert so that we can skillfully use the word of God in prayer. In fact, the only way that we can pray effectively is when we diligently keep watch. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's turn to Mark chapter 13. Mark chapter 13, and I'm going to read verse 33. Because in this chapter, Jesus taught his disciples about signs of the end times. And I'm not going to go into an end time teaching. Relax. (laughs) I'm not going to. That's that's too big for this today anyway. But the concept is so true. And while he taught, he was standing there on the Mount of Olives, and he was directly opposite from that temple in Jerusalem. Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked him questions to explain what this end time would mean, and they went into details about it. You can read it for yourself. But the main thing is that you have to be ready. And some of the signs that will precede his coming are war, hunger, earthquakes, false Christs, false prophets, 
rumors of wars, loss of faith, persecution of believers, the increase of evil, and the preaching of the good news to all the world. He says that has to happen. So we're all seeing all these things culminate, and we're, we're, we all, many people that I'm talking to believe that we're in the last of the last days. So more important than ever, it's important that we be alert, be vigilant, and keep watch. Jesus warned his followers about the future so that they could learn how to live in the present, to be spiritually alert, to be prepared for his return. I don't know about you, but I want to be ready. And it's important that you're not just ready one day and then you skip a month out of your life and then say, oh, let me go back and get ready again. No, you have to stay in that spirit of readiness. Amen. And this is what read the words of Jesus Advice to, to his disciples that day that also are beautiful words for us. Are y'all enjoying this? Yeah. Well, we're just getting started. <laughs> Verse 33 says, Take heed, watch and pray, for you know not when the time is. For the Son of Man is as a man taking a far journey who left his house and gave authority to his servants to, and to every man in his work and commanded the porter to watch. Watch ye therefore, for you know not when the master of the house cometh, at even or at midnight, or at the cock crowing, or in the morning. Lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping. Verse 37, and what I say unto you, I say unto all, watch. Notice that Jesus used that word watch four times in this passage of scripture, in this teaching. Now being watchful doesn't mean that we walk around fearful. It just means that we stay in communication with the Holy Spirit throughout the day in our lives so that he can give us up-to-the-minute instructions to stop the plan of the enemy. It's not fear. You can't get over into fear, but trust that the Holy Spirit is talking. He is speaking, and He's and we, we need to be listening. Amen? Because God wants us to keep spiritually awake every single day. Jesus instructed us to do that. So sometimes just why don't you just tap that girl on the side and you say, wake up, wake up, wake up. <laughs> I don't like to get woken up sometimes. And now Jesse's afraid to wake me up sometimes in the night. <laughs> he, he, he says that. I don't know why he says that. He says that sometimes my hand goes out automatically. <laughs> so we need to practice being woken up, I guess, or just stay awake. So nobody has to wake you up. Stay awake. So that should be what we say. Stay awake. Let's turn to Isaiah 54, just laying the foundation of where I want us to go today. Isaiah 54, we're going to read verse 17 in a minute. Because when you're spiritually awake, you are in a position to hear instructions and respond to the leading of the Lord. And you'll be able to recognize the tactics of the enemy. And in the name of Jesus, you'll be able to pull down those strongholds. So when he shows it to you, it's not for you to free. You know, some people, when they get fearful, they just freeze. But we need to get to a point where we know that when we see something, we do something about it. Right? And we can do something about it with our words, with our prayer life, and by entering into that presence and hearing what he wants us to say. Instead of being on the defense after the enemy attacks, you can use the name of Jesus to block the plans of the enemy. Right? And you could stop him before he can steal, kill, or destroy anything that belongs to you. No matter what weapon or evil plan the enemy dreams up, you can know how to defeat him every time. That's where God wants us to get. Amen? Isaiah 54, verse 17 is our beautiful promise. All of you probably know this. It says, no weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper, and every tongue that shall rise up against thee in judgment thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. We're in a church that's called heritage of faith. I just realized that when I read that verse. We have a heritage, and we realize that no weapon that's formed against us. It doesn't mean it won't be formed, but it can't prosper. Amen. It has to stop. We pull it down in the name of Jesus. Let's turn to Psalms 141. Psalms 141. If we go look at verse 3 in a second. The main area of attack that the devil uses is the tongue. I'm not going to ask you to stick it out, but that is the main. Because somebody might misunderstand that. (laughs) 
His main area of attack is the tongue. He uses spin, propaganda, and lies. That's his trademark. And he may use people around your life to speak his lies, or he may bombard your mind with fearful thoughts. Early in our ministry, when Jess and I first started out, I had like this little daycare business. In my house, I had like eight children that I watched five days a week, and uh, Jesse was starting out in ministry, and he would leave like on a Saturday, and he preached meetings Sunday through Wednesday, mostly in Louisiana at that time. And I was just so pleased that we could work together. I felt like we were working together for the ministry. I didn't see like it was his ministry. It was our ministry. I was doing my part to keep things going here at the house. We knew this was coming, so we made sure we didn't get into debt. We had this little small 900-square-foot-something-square-foot house. And uh, my daughter was maybe about uh, seven or eight at that time, so I, I really couldn't travel with him anyway. And we made the decision to to do it that way. <laughs> we can go ahead and get that. <clears throat> and so here it is. He's preaching all throughout the state. And, and in fact, when he first started out ministering, he wasn't even licensed. And he just started preaching. And we were in like in a full gospel kind of a church at that time. And and he uh, went to one place. And they said, uh, would you like us to license you? It was Assembly about Church. And he said, do I need that? <laughs> well, he had been preaching for six months. Apparently he didn't. God did it. But anyway, um, so we, he, he was, and so he started preaching at a whole lot of the Assembly of God churches. And they had what they called their ministers conference that was coming up. And so I was, I really wanted to be at that. So I made arrangements to be there. In fact, I had, remember praying and believing God for the clothes to go there. And I didn't have a lot of, I wanted something new. You ever been that? You know, like that old Ray Charles song, sometimes those women, they do get weary wearing that same old shabby dress. And then said, you got, is it a Ray Charles or somebody else sang it maybe? You got to try a little tenderness. Anyway, but I didn't want to put pressure on Jesse to get the clothes and tell him anything. So it was my, just my prayer thing between me and the Lord. And I, I prayed and trusted God to get me some, some new dresses to go. I just wanted about three of them. And I usually made all our clothes, but I wanted something, something store-bought. <laughs> and so uh, I remember he went to some revival somewhere in, te- in Louisiana, and the pastor never had done, uh, this had never happened before, never happened since, but he, she just, it was a woman, woman pastor. She said, I just feel like we need to take up an offering for Sister Kathy. And so they did, and it, I think it was like $158, which was a huge amount of money to us way back then. And he brought it back, and I, that was my answer. So, of course, I went to the store, and I got three dresses, and it was a beautiful moment seeing God fulfill a simple thing to a lot of people, but it was big to me. And so here I am, feel like I'm looking my best, going into the minister's conference, and Jesse was asked to uh, give a little quick testimony, play something on the piano. So, of course, he wooed the crowd, and they loved it, and it was, I loved it. it was, I was so pleased to be there. And so afterwards, he's shaking hands with people. I'm sitting, standing on the side of him, and everyone's shaking hands. And uh, this one older pastor asked me a question. He looked at me because, you know, I'm just there. And he just is the one who spoke. He's the one who sang, and, and I don't sing. I found that out early in life. <laughs> I actually thought I sang till I started dating Jesse, and he was a nightclub entertainer at the time when I met him. I was just in high school, and he, we were just like three years apart, and he was dating. We were dating, and he went to this club where he played, and he wanted me to they asked if he'd sing a song since he's there anyway, and I think he planned it that way because he's always trying to impress me. <laughs> he did. Anyway, um, so he had me sit on the piano bench with him, and he started singing this old Righteous Brothers song, which I loved, and I started singing along, and he looked around, and he's wondering, where is that sound coming from? And he looked at me, and he said, Kathy, don't sing. Later, he told me, he said, he thought, well, how can something look so good sound so bad? But, you know, when I had my little daycare business, I often sang with the children, and they love my voice. And so that's why I say you just have to find your audience. (laughs) 
But this moment while I was there at the minister's conference and everyone was shaking hands and this one came up to me next to Jesse and they asked me this question. So, Kathy, what do you do? And so I said, well, you know, it makes you look inside. What do you do? Well, I, I said what I thought a minister would be impressed with or happy with. I said, well, you know, I support my husband in the ministry. I don't sing or because I guess he thought I should or play the piano. And so... uh he looked at me kind of disappointed like, and he says, well, you know, you really need, I want to ha- have some advice for you as you're stepping out into the ministry. He says, you should learn to play the accordion <laughs> so you can help your husband in the ministry. I really didn't know what to say. I just stared at that. I just, I thought he should get it, you know. Years later, I told that story and someone sent me this beautiful cartoon. It's in a frame in my office. And it's a little etching, and it's a picture of people that are going to heaven are getting angels are passing out harps to them as they go to heaven. And those that are going to hell get accordions. (laughs) I just love that. I love that. I don't know what it is about that, but people think you should perform. I remember going with Jesse to another church, maybe that same year, because the enemy was on an assignment to try to pull me away, to make me want to shrink back and lay down and not do anything. And they, he, this one place we went to was a female. The lady came up to me after, asked the same question. So, Kathy, what do you do? It's almost, I think I wrote an article on it one year. So, Kathy, what do you do? <laughs> and so uh, she asked me a question, and I told her pretty much the same answer that I gave the other gentleman. And she looked a little disappointed. And I have to watch myself. I've gotten really good with my tongue. But that day I wasn't that good. And so I said, well, you know, I can tell you're disappointed. I said, but you know, when I was just a kid, my mom put me in tap dancing and I still remember a few steps and I could do a few right now for you if that would make you happy. (laughs) Jesse grabbed me and he pulled me out of the way. My mouth often, my tongue, I never did. I, I have gotten a better handle on my tongue. But there were many times where I really messed it up bad. I remember this time I was with Jesse at a church in South Louisiana again, or actually it was a, a big uh, auditorium, and this local pastor had put it on, and, and he had asked Jesse to speak there every night, and it was close enough that I could be with him every night. And every night this pastor would say, Cat, Brother Jesse, I want you to do A, B, and C, and he'd give him a little list. You know, and there's something in most of us that we don't like to be told uh, cause I, I had a little bit of pushback on that one. Carolyn said, you got to wear red and black cat. I said, really? <laughs> but I got over it anyway. Uh, <laughs> like all of us anyway, we, uh, it's really, it was a great idea, a great concept, just playing with you. But here I am at this place and, um, Every night, the pastor would give Jess, okay, I want you to sing this song, and I want you to do this. And it was like giving this list every night. And then he would, afterward, he would throw out this little laugh. Remember, you hadn't got your check yet. You know, and he'd laugh about it. And we never did put financial requirements. We never went for, a, you know, an amount of money. So it really always used to dig into me. And Jesse was, you know, never said anything, but it would bother me every night. So the fourth night, when he... <laughs> When he did it, I was just so upset. I just stepped in. Jesse wouldn't say nothing, so I just said, I'm going to take care of this. So, I mean, he says, now, Jesse, I want you to sing this song because, you know, you hadn't got your check yet. Ha, ha, ha. He's laughed. Really. And he, anyway, I'm not going to do there. Anyway, he, when he did that, it just, something happened and the, flip, the switch went off. And I said, well, brother, why don't you just keep that check because our God meets our need. And I stared at him like that, and Jesse, Jesse just pulled me back again. And I forgot that we were going to their house after the service that night. So all the way on the car, we're following them to their house, and Jesse's telling me, you are going to apologize. I said, I will not. He deserved every bit of that and more. And so he kept after me and telling me. I, said, I finally said, okay, 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 I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask for him to forgive me. And, uh, but, and so when I walked through the door, I was prepared to do that before I, but before I could, he did. And, uh, then we both apologized and we're still friends today. So give the Lord a hand clap for that. (laughs) 
so all things are possible, but you know, things happen and misunderstandings happen. He meant it in a good way, in a fun way, but he didn't realize how it was being received, I guess. And sometimes we need to realize that it's not always being sent out the way that we take it in. But the part of the thing I wanted to get to is that there are things that the enemy does to pull us off track, to, to help us, to make us shrink back. That's why we have to be alert to his tactics. Because his tactic is just always trying to undermine you and make you feel like you're worthless. But God has made you precious in, in his sight. Amen? We don't have to be overly concerned about the devil's tongue. We have to learn to ignore his mouth and all the lies it generates from him. The only tongue that really affects my life is my own. The only one that affects your life is yours. So it doesn't matter even what the devil's saying or what someone else is saying. You have to pay attention to what God is saying and make sure that's what's coming out of your mouth. You have to constantly work at keeping watch over, uh, well, me. I don't know. You may not be like me. So (laughs) I have to be constantly at work watching over my mouth every single day. Psalms 141, verse 3. That's the verse we're at. Did I tell you to turn there already? It says, set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth. Keep the door of my lips. Set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth. Keep the door of my lips. That's a good scripture to pray every day. And it will remind you to speak words that propel you toward your vision instead of sabotaging it with your own mouth. Let's turn to Proverbs 18 again. We're still in the book of Proverbs. Turn back. I mean, we weren't, we're going to go to two verses in Proverbs, I think. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21. We'll read that in a moment. You know, when you assign the Holy Spirit to your mouth, don't be surprised when he tells you the things that need to be corrected. But don't back up and make excuses. Just Sometimes just need to own it, Right? <laughs> I mean, we all know people who never own their mistakes. I've just learned that there are three steps that you do. You First, you say, I was wrong. I'm sorry. Forgive me. It's not hard. A lot of people never learn those. Let's say it together. I was wrong. I'm sorry. Forgive me. My daughter heard me say that one day. She says, Mama, people don't want to hear that you were wrong. They want to hear they right. <laughs> so so I've, I've modified that. Now it's four things. You're right. I was wrong. <laughs> Sorry, forgive me. But owning it is so important. Before you can make a change, you have to recognize it. And God's not wanting to pound down on you, but he's wanting to help you to get to a place where you can hear him. You can, and, he, and many times you don't have to even go to, you may not be able to go to the person, but you can go to God and you, he will release you from that. Amen. Proverbs uh, eighteen twenty one. Proverbs 18.21, let's, let's read this together. It warns us that death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Everybody knows that verse. It's so true. It's so good. Because your tongue has an awesome power that can either produce life-giving fruit or death-infected fruit, especially in the home. We all know how important that is. We can decide to set the temperature or the atmosphere of our home with the words that we say. Jess and I make a practice every morning. It sounds very simple, but it's so important. And I recognize for a long time, we would just get up in the morning. We're just quiet, going our own ways. But the moment we see each other, we say, good morning. Did you sleep well? You know, it's just, it's nice. And so it's a simple thing. For a long time, we didn't do that. And I just said, you know what? We'd start doing that. And so many times I'm the first one up. But the moment we see each other, we do that. Words that are kind really help in the house. And I've, I'll put on Christmas music. And I've got these little Echo devices, Amazon devices around the house. And just says, how do you do that? And I just tell it, play Christmas music everywhere. <laughs> so these little things that are around the house... All of a sudden, they're playing the same song, and it was really sweet. You can set the mood of your house and decide what, what's going on in your house. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Your tongue has awesome power, and it can produce what you want. It depends on what you choose and how vigilant you are about keeping watch over your own mouth and your house. Let's turn to Proverbs 4.24. For 424, God's word is alive and it's full of power. 
but the devil's words are empty and powerless. He can only win if we agree with his words and speak them out of our own mouth. Proverbs 4.24, we're warned, put away from thee a froward mouth and perverse lips put far from thee. And that word froward means stubbornly contrary, disobedient, obstinate. You know, when your body needs healing, you don't need to hear anything contrary to by his stripes, you are healed. It's so important to surround yourself with the word of God. Remember when my mother was diagnosed with breast cancer back in 2005. She had never really read the Bible um, or did a lot of reading because when she was a kid, they didn't let her go to school. She went like for one year maybe, and then they made her get out so she can help help raise the family. She was the oldest daughter in a big family. And uh, so she never learned to read. That's what's important for her to make sure we stayed in school. And later when she, when we were all adults, we paid for a tutor so that she would learn to read. So she knows how to read. But I know it's not her, you know, as easy to her as it was for others or to me because I grew up doing it. And so um, I remember when I got diagnosed, she got diagnosed with breast cancer. I wanted to get the word of God to her. So I remember gathering all the healing scriptures and writing them down and collecting them and getting them her. I wanted to get it to her. But I realized that she needed to hear my voice say them. And I was in a space where I was traveling a lot. Maybe I wasn't able to be there as much as I would like. So I remember recording them. And I remember giving it to her so that she could hear the word of God. And uh, that became my healing word series. And I have healing word. Now we had the prosperous word and the peaceful word series. And what it basically mean reading scripture with beautiful music behind it. And it just made an impact on her life, hearing those scriptures being heard, read by me. Because I know in those days we had like a tele- little telephone answering machine. And, and when she didn't hear my voice for a while, she will, she'd call in just to hear that answer machine. So I knew that she would listen to it. And every day, every single day I get a text from my mother She's 89 years old, and she sends me texts first. I don't do it first because I want to make sure she's up. But as soon as she does, she sends me these little emojis, and it's really sweet. (laughs) Sometimes she'll talk into it, and it'll write up something for me. But she stopped doing that because she had a few little things that popped up that she wasn't expecting. (laughs) I'm not going to say what came up, but it was not. She says, oh, no. She says, Jesse's going to read that. (laughs) But we need to watch over our lives. When we're in debt, we need to put words of lack and failure far from us. It's important that we surround ourselves with the words that will help us to thrive in life instead of pull us down. We need to speak life into our finances, life into our relationships, life into our body every single day. When we keep watch over our mouth, it's important because it has the power to create abundant overflowing life for you and for your family, your entire household. Amen? Let's turn to Nehemiah chapter 1. We're going to go into a little story as we close. This is going to flow exactly with keeping watch and how important it is. This is a great example of something that happened in the Old Testament. I love to read the Old Testament stories. It just shows me how God is so powerful and how he, he helps people even when they mess up. In 445 B.C., there was a Jewish servant to a Persian king that heard distressing news that his homeland was in ruins and his people were in great distress. This man was Nehemiah, and his prayer for his nation is one of the most moving in the Old Testament. It's a powerful prayer. I'm gonna, we're going to read this right now and look at it because it's so important. I think it's so timely for us as believers as we see what's going on in our nation and around the world. Because as women, we're watchers. We naturally want to watch over and make sure everybody's okay. Well, we're watching over our nation as well, and we have a responsibility to this, to pray. And we could follow his example of how he prayed. It was so powerful. Verse 4 of Nehemiah chapter 1. And we're going to read through verse 11, so bear with me. Because I didn't want to leave any of this out. Is that okay? He says, And it came to pass, when I heard these words, that I sat down and I wept. 
and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. And I said, I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven, the great and terrible God that keepeth covenant and mercy for them that love him and observe his commandments. Let thine ear now be attentive and thine eyes be open, and that thou mayest hear the prayer of thy servant, which I pray before thee now, day and night, for the children of Israel, thy servants. And confess the sin of the children of Israel, which have, we have sinned against thee. Both I and my father's house have sinned. We have dealt very corruptly against thee and have not kept the commandments, nor the statutes, nor the judgments which thou commandest thy servant Moses. See, this nation was in exile. They had lost the promise. And they were here they were in exile. And so he's recognizing we're at this place because we did the wrong things. So he's... Maybe not him personally, but he was praying this on behalf of his nation. Uh, he says in verse 8, Remember, I beseech thee, the word that thou commandest thy servant Moses, saying, If you transgress, I will scatter you abroad among the nations. But if you turn unto me and keep my commandments and do them, though they were of you cast out of, to the, unto the uttermost part of the heaven, yet I will gather them from thence. And I will bring them unto the place that I have chosen to set my name there. Now there, now these are thy servants and thy people whom thou hast redeemed by thy great power and by thy strong hand. O Lord, I beseech thee now, let now thine ear be attentive to the power of thy, the prayer of thy servant and to the prayer of thy servants who desire to fear thy name and, and prosper, I pray thee. Thy servants this day and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. For I was the king's cupbearer. He knew he was about to go before the king. He was there for a specific purpose. And so by the end of this prayer time, Nehemiah knew what action he had to take. So he knew that he would, he would be going before the king and God would use that king in the way that he needed to, to get his promise to come to pass. By the end of that prayer, he knew what to do. Many times when you're sitting there in your prayer closet or kneeling, whatever it is you're doing, and you're pouring your heart out to God, and you're opening up your heart to him, he is going to reveal to you the exact answer that you need for your, your unique situation. When God's people pray, difficult decisions fall into proper perspective. And appropriate, and you understand the appropriate actions that you need to take to follow. Amen. How many people have experienced that in your own life? Nehemiah demonstrated the elements of effective prayer. Number one is praise. Always start when you go to God, start praising Him and thanking Him for what He has already done, what He is doing, and what you expect Him to do. Amen. Thanksgiving was number two. It's so important when you go to God. Number three, repentance. Always have an open heart, Lord. Show me there's something, if there's something in my life or in our nation or something that needs to pray about, show it to me. Number four, specific requests. Get specific about what you're believing for. God wants to hear it. And then fifth is commitment. Follow through. Many people start in one place, but they don't follow through and do what God's saying to do. Amen. It's a difficult steps sometimes, but if he's the one giving you the steps, he's going to reinforce that. He's going to give you the power to bring it to pass. Like Mary, when we first started this teaching today, those were a diff- that was a difficult assignment. And that day, she could have been stoned for being pregnant, having a baby, and not being married. We all know that. That was a difficult step, but she went to it, towards that assignment, and she said, be it unto me even as thou hast said. So praise, thanksgiving, repentance, specific requests, and a commitment to do what God is telling you to do while you're there in prayer. Heartfelt prayers, like Nehemiah's, can help clarify any problem you may be facing and give you the divine direction that you need. So you can expect that. Amen? If you'll continue reading the rest of this awesome book, you'll see that God greatly used Nehemiah to lead his nation out of distress and into victory. Ultimately, that's what we need to do as believers. We need to lead our nation out of distress and into victory. We don't need to always be pointing out the problem. We need to be standing in the gap and realize that there is a problem, but God alone can turn it around. 
We're seeking God for a divine turnaround. Amen. And that's what he specializes in. But we have to get our hands off of it and put it in his. We still have a commitment, though. We still have a part that we play. We have a voice and we can speak it. Amen. And do what he tells us to do. And that's what Nehemiah did. When he went before that king that day, he was the cupbearer. He noticed the cup, the king noticed that something was wrong. And so when he explained it to him, he told him what was happening. That day was so supernatural because he allowed him to go and do what he did. I think it took 59 days to turn that whole situation around. That's less than two months. And so they had rebuilt the wall around the whole area of the whole, all of Jerusalem. And not only he didn't have to do it on his own, he sent people to help him and he sent money to help him. He financed, here was this heathen king, financed the building of that wall. He financed the vision that God had put on Nehemiah's heart. So he heard about the problem. He sought God and he went to God and God gave him an answer. And he, and God gave him favor, supernatural favor, so that the thing got done. Things changed because he prayed. Things changed because he believed. Things changed because she spoke out and did the hard work. This continued to treat it because it really wasn't an easy task. He was granted the favor by, from his boss, and he was an appointed governor of the providence with authority to rebuild the city walls. His prayerfulness produced readiness to begin working to rebuild his nation. Let's look at Nehemiah chapter 4. Nehemiah chapter 4. We're not going to read, of course, all of Nehemiah. I'm just going to do one more verse of scripture within this chapter, this beautiful book. Because Nehemiah and his workers were harassed and they were ridiculed by three devil-inspired enemies. Anybody been surrounded by a devil-inspired enemy in your life? These guys were called Sanballat, Tobiah, and Gisham. I like to call them the three stooges. <laughs> Those guys conspired day and night to try to stop the work of God. But their plot did not go unnoticed by Nehemiah. And Nehemiah chapter 4 verse 9 records his plan of action. This is what he did when he heard about that people were talking against him and talking against the plan that God had. They were trying to undermine everything that God was wanting to do. He said, nevertheless, we made our prayer unto our God and set a watch against them day and night because of them. I like that word, nevertheless. We got to get to a point where nevertheless, it doesn't matter what the devil's saying, no matter what the problem is, nevertheless, I know what my God told me, so I'm going forward. Amen. Doesn't matter what the devil says. Our reaction should always be watch and pray. And when reading this story, I realized that the devil doesn't have any new tricks. He, the same, he used those three stooges to launch a false advertising campaign and he was, it was specifically aimed at producing fear in Nehemiah and his workers. And we're all experiencing that today. We're hearing that propaganda. I got here yesterday and I got a phone call, which I didn't recognize the number so many times I don't take it. And I was chatting with Jesse and, and Carolyn and Jerry, so I didn't want to take the call. But then something happened and someone else was talking. So I said, let me take that call because I was expecting something else from someone when I may not have known their number a delivery. So I thought, let me pick this up. And what it was was a recorded announcement from Louisiana telling me to shelter in place and, and make sure that you're taking care. And it was a real fear-based message bringing all kind of, and I know that they're sending this out across the whole nation. It's a, it's a fear tactic to try to make us all hide in a cave and fall, you know, just fall back and not stand up and do what God's calling us to do. Years ago, I wrote a book called How to Behave in a Cave. Inspiration behind that was when I was in a church and Jesse was sitting, I was sitting on the side. He was about to take the platform and he says, oh, Kathy, go and check with Roy, who's our product, our armor bearer, product sales guy. He leads the team and he says, go and ask Roy this or that. And so I went and while I was going, I decided like most ladies do, you go to the bathroom before you come back. So I made a quick pit stop. And I had this beautiful chiffon skirt on with a quilted jacket, kind of like quilted jacket. And, and it was like four or five layers in this skirt. And so I went to the bathroom and, and I, afterwards I put my hand back here and I could tell that it felt like everything was back in place. But the only thing back in place was that one outer sheer 
And I was so tiny, I don't know why I wore control top pantyhose back then. Now, I, you know, today I need to wear them, but I didn't need them back then. And so I, I, I go back then and now I walk all the way from the back of the church to the front. It's a church that seats like 2,000 people. And it would have been wonderful if it had one center aisle. If it would have been wonderful if it would have had everybody raising hands and praising the Lord or worshiping. No, they were doing announcements when I walked through there. And I sashayed down this side of the aisle. And the first three girls behind that second row right behind us. Oh, Sister Kathy, you got your dress and your pantyhose. And so I'm fixing it. Pulled it out right there on the front row. And what else are you going to do? And so I, uh, I told Jesse, don't you dare bring me up there. Because he often would. He'd say, Kathy, he would introduce me, make me say something or have me say something. And whether I wanted to or not, you know. And he's, he says, my wife is Kathy is here. And I thought, why would he even want to own me at this point? <laughs> I'd like her to come up here and say a few words. And I, and I came up and I started looking at the crowd right here. And I knew. And I just couldn't get anything out. I just was so embarrassed. And I'm. And I'm thinking, I said, well, let me just start over and tell this side of the church what this side already knows. And so I just told them what happened, and then we made jokes about it, of course. And, but it was my inspiration for how to behave in a cave, because where's a big, dark cave when you really need it? <laughs> I just, just wanted to leave. Another time, I was in a church with Jesse in, in, uh, in uh, South Africa, and the... Uh, the church was a very tall platform, and it had a little... I didn't notice the tear on the top of the carpet of the church and I had heels on and they didn't have ministry of helps. And as I said, really nice things that day, <laughs> but nobody remembered a word of it. Cause the minute I, my heel hooked the top part of that first step and it was like five steps down, I started to fall. And just right before that, the pastor stepped up and I fell into his arms. <laughs> Underwindered again, where's another cave when you really need it. And another time, no, <laughs> this was the most embarrassing, but I, I probably shouldn't tell you. But, you know, I realized that all of these things are designed by the enemy to make me want to sit down and shut up. But God really has had something for me to say. And the enemy was trying to take me out before I can even get to my place. You know, some of us never get to our place because the enemy had a attack coming that we didn't see. We weren't alert. But I recognized that's what it was. <laughs> I still fell into it, but I got out of it. <laughs> so this time I was in the, in the on the airplane. We were in the first first class going to South Africa or somewhere, a really long flight. And there was a small amount of seats. And this only ones in this first class seat was Jesse and I and this maybe about 10 guys. Well, you could tell they were rock singers. I mean, they had a band. Maybe they're going to a concert somewhere. And I didn't, this is the first time this had happened, but here we are on this, on this nice first class area, and they had provided pajamas. Ah, oh, pajamas. So I'm going to change into this. I had like a 10 hour flight or whatever. I'm going to take a nap and I'm going to get in these pajamas. And so I went to the bathroom and changed into the pajamas and I secured everything on a hanger that I would need after I had my nap. You know, I can't take a nap with my brazier on. <laughs> so I, I just got, got, there's girls in here, right? <laughs> Close your ears. Anyway, so I, um, I thought everything was cool. So I'm walking here with the hanger and going, cause the, the place where you hang your clothes, that was way at the front. And we're sitting in the back for by the bathroom. I walk all the way, sachet again, down to this front. <laughs> Y'all know sachet? <laughs> I thought it was just a little New Orleans term. Anyway, we, uh, I hung, hung it up and thought everything was okay. Then I went back to my seat, and this guy from the rock band came and grabbed, handed my my bra. Said, "I think this belongs to you." <laughs> oh my goodness! Where is that cave when you need it? <laughs> but you know, even when you mess up, you can't shrink back. You got to get back on. You got to shake the dust off. And you know, we all know that verse: "When I fall, I shall arise." <laughs> You got to keep getting up and realize that even when you mess up or you do something ridiculous or fail in some way, maybe you don't see it coming. The enemy can, can come at you blind, blindside you sometimes. But God still always has a way to get you back on track to help you to recover. Amen. And keep on moving. 
Because, oh, now, you know, I, I think I have more embarrassing stories than any person that I know. I don't need to hear yours today. Don't get me wrong. But the point is, is that we need to stay alert and not let the enemy keep us down when we don't quite make it right. Nevertheless, the enemy could not stop the work of God. Notice that they prayed to God and they set a watch against them night and day. They continued working with one hand and carried their sword in the other hand. You can do, women know this, we can do more than one thing. Amen? They were, it had a spirit of readiness. They were committed to accomplishing the vision. And Nehemiah is an ex- excellent example of courageous and resourceful leadership. His success was a direct result of his continually praying no matter what new attack the enemy launched. He refused to accept defeat. He kept praying. He kept watching. And against overwhelming odds, he faced the challenge. And ladies, we can do that. We have, all of us have encountered one time or another, overwhelming odds. But we have to always realize that nothing is ever impossible with our God. And when we rely on him, he will empower us. He will show us where to grab that strength that's maybe be down deep. And it'll pull out and he'll be able to give you words to speak that will turn that situation around. Amen. He completed his task to the glory of God. He watched. He prayed. He saw results. And that's what we need to do. We're watching We're praying, and I'm believing we're going to see the results that we want in our life. Amen? Give the Lord a great hand clap. I want you to leave this place realizing the importance of keeping watch all the time. God will give you information from different places that are, are unique to you, things that you need so you can know how to pray, whether it be for your family your business, your ministry, a friend. He will give you the words that you need. Amen. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to show us the things that we need to pray about. Jesus' timeless instructions that I read to you earlier in Mark 13, verse 33 and 37, are filled with wisdom for every challenge that we'll ever face, and they are essential to a victorious life. I read it to you earlier in the King James Version of the Bible. We're going to look at it now in the Amplified as our final scriptures today. And it says in Mark 13, verse 33, Be on your guard, constantly alert, and watch and pray, for you do not know when the time will come. At that point, he was referring to his second coming, but this applies to our day-to-day lives as well. We don't know when the attack is coming. We don't know what, what may be down the road, but God does. And the reason he's having us pray is because he sees it coming, even though we don't. He sees it, and he can give us glimpses into the spirit realm if we'll allow him. Verse 37, our final verse of scripture, Mark thirteen thirty-seven says, And what I say to you, I say to everybody. So this takes it home to us today, that everybody he spoke about more than 2,000 years ago brings it home to me. I'm one of those everybodies. How many everybodies I have in the house? He's talking to you right now. He, you're we're all everybody. He says, what I say to you, I say to everybody. Watch, give strict attention, be cautious, active, and alert. So I believe that's what God is calling us as women. We are powerfully strong. We're anointed to win and impossible to curse. We're blessed going in, blessed going out. We're too blessed to be stressed about what's going on in the world. We, we are anointed so that we could pray and pull down strongholds of the enemy so that we can speak God's word and see change in our lives, in our family's lives, in our nation, and all around the world. Amen. We are called to keep awake, be alert, and be vigilant. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Did y'all enjoy that today? Hallelujah. Y'all just bow your heads. I just want to pray for you. Father, I thank you that you're giving us tools today so that we can see how you want us to be sharp, how we can be alert and be watchful, Lord. 
that we can rely upon your spirit to give us wisdom and instruction. Lord, I pray right now by the Holy Spirit that you touch every life. Oh, Lord, I thank you that you bring in revelation. You're bringing wisdom and insight into each situation here. Lord, you're so big. You're so good. You're so kind that you can show us the steps we need to take. Lord, I thank you that there's nothing that's ever impossible with you. Even the most difficult situation can turn around when we, when we repent, turn from our ways, and, Lord, turn to your ways. Lord, I thank you that you have a way for each one of us, a way into your presence that is glorious, that is awesome, filled with peace, filled with joy, and filled with love. Lord, I pray a blessing on every woman that's here in this room, every household that's represented. Lord, we just send the word to every house. Every person that's here, every, every household that's represented, Lord, and I thank you that you're surrounding it even now with your great peace. Lord, and I pray that this holiday season will be one like none other. Lord, even though we've all faced difficulties, Lord, let's all see the true meaning, the true, true purpose of Christmas, Lord, that you came to the earth to bring joy to the whole world. And Lord, let each one of us be a reflection of that joy in our homes And every place we go, Lord, let your love be displayed so that all can see. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Give Cassia. Thank you.